the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We've seen some pretty crazy court cases in our recent time, but nothing compares to the one we're focusing on today, the trial of Jesus Christ. We're in Luke 22. This is Abounding Grace. Join us. Moving into the Christmas season, we're reminded of a babe in a manger. But that baby grows up. That baby lives a life. That baby suffers and dies for you and I. And that is what we're focused on here today. Welcome to Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're in Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 71, message called The Trial of Jesus Christ, part one. Please join us as we take a look at this trial, this crazy, insane trial that has you and I in mind. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. His lips cut, his face bleeding. He was probably unrecognizable. Spittle was filling his beard on the face that once cried over Jerusalem. On a face that cried at the death of Lazarus on the face of a man who people found salvation in. And now that face was covered with spittle and blood and deep bruises. I wanted you to remember that. And I want you to turn to Revelation 6 because I want you to understand what unbelievers are going to do On the day of judgment. Revelation chapter 6 verses 12 through 17. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. The full moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig trees cast its unripe fig when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll and it rolled up. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the commanders of the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in caves among the rocks and the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? I don't want to see that face again. It's the most horrifying thing in all the world to look into that face that I beat to the pulp with my fist and I spit upon. The next time I see that face, say these unbelievers, it will be the most horrifying moment of my life. Mountains cover me, hide me. I don't want to see that face. And beloved, this isn't imagery. This isn't just literature. It's facts, my dear friends. 
That if you live your life in unbelief and rebellion against Christ, following your own impulses with no concern for the will of God, then when you see Jesus' face, and you will see it, it will be the most terrifying moment in your life, and you will cry for the mountains to cover you. Now, I want you to understand, this is the church doing all this to Jesus. Annas and Caiaphas are the elders and the chief priest and the Sanhedrin, and they were officers in the church of God. These men that were sending Jesus off to be brutalized with their approval, treating him like a lawless outlaw, these men like Caiaphas bore the sign of the covenant. They had been publicly separated from the world to the purposes of God and initiated into the church of God. Today you would say that they've been baptized in the name of the triune God. They had been catechized throughout their lives, Sabbath by Sabbath by Sabbath, and what God's Word taught. Like all Jewish boys and young men, they had memorized much of the Old Testament. And here they are turning Jesus over to be brutalized by soldiers. Let's put it in modern language. The spittle on the beard of Jesus was the spittle of professed Christians. The fist that beat him in the face were the fist of the church. You say, Gary, how in the world can a church sink so low that it could actually condemn the head of the church, its Savior, as some common criminal and encourage people to spit on him? Listen, beloved, you don't even have to use your imagination. Just look around. Just look at most of the churches on the street corners here in the South Bay. You want to know how far the church has to sink before it will spit in the face of the head of the church? Just look at the average American church and listen to the preacher preach. Go to the average church and watch the members and see if they love the Word of God or not. See how their lives are working out for them. You don't have to look far to see how far a church has to sink before it will spit in the face of God incarnate. Just look at the lethargy. Listen to the Arminianism and the antinomianism and the mockery of God's law and second kingdom theology and women in the pulpit and people dancing in the aisles. I mean, look at Peter. The next thing we see in the story is the tragic incident of Peter's denial. Jesus was in the trial, and he was the sovereign. He experienced all this shame and grief and humiliation and agony because he loves us. He bore the full weight that our sins deserve. And now here comes Peter. Well, just before we get to Peter, I want you to notice what Jesus did to these two ecclesiastical courts and the two civil courts. All you have to do is read the book of Revelations. What I love about the book of Revelation is the simplicity of its outline. It's got really two main points besides the introductory chapters of 1 through 5. But from chapters 6 through 12 is the story of Jesus destroying Israel, judging Israel. And in chapters 13 and 14, Jesus destroys Rome. So the book of Revelation is what Jesus did to the two courts that mistreated him. Now, in the midst of all this, Peter comes along and denies him. Peter, James, and John were always with him, and that has led many people to believe that 
they were Jesus' three closest friends. I personally believe that Jesus kept these three with him because they were the weakest, and he had to keep an eye over them all the time. But let's say he was one of Jesus' closest friends. Remember who Peter is. He was sovereignly called by Christ to be an apostle, and he made that great confession of faith, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was confident in his own strength. He was confused every time Jesus prophesied about his suffering and his death. But he was courageous, and he was willing to die for Jesus during his apostolic life. At the Lord's Supper, he, with the other disciples, wondered who was going to hold the first chair or who would be the greatest in his kingdom. The night of the betrayal, Peter was one of the man, one was the one man there with his dagger ready to use it. And there were probably 600 Roman soldiers in attendance. That was the average size of a Roman battalion. We can't be too critical of Peter. He goes after these 600 soldiers with his dagger, and he cuts off the ear of a slave. And Jesus has to tell him to put his dagger back in his sheath. So he is a courageous man. But he betrayed Christ. He was frightened by a probably teenage girl, and he became a coward. But the rest of his life after that, he became a great preacher. He wrote two of the books of the Bible. He was a great blessing to other Christians, as Jesus actually prophesied in Luke 22. And then he died a martyr's death. But he was so humble after his conversion that when he knew he was going to die a martyr's death by crucifixion, he said, in essence, I'm not worthy to be crucified as Jesus was crucified. So if you're going to crucify me, turn me upside down. And so he was. Well, then what was Peter's problem that led to his denial of Jesus that evening? Three things that we can see generally in his life. First of all, Peter did not listen carefully to Jesus. Remember that. When Jesus would say things to him, he would either say, No, that's not going to happen. Or he wouldn't understand really what Jesus was saying because he wasn't listening carefully. His presuppositions blinded him. That is, he made certain false assumptions about life. For instance, he couldn't understand Jesus and his kingdom because he assumed it would be a political kingdom and Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and set up a Jewish state So he had all these assumptions about life that kept him from hearing clearly. How many times have preachers heard someone say to them in church after a sermon, I've never really heard you preach on that before, preacher. And the preacher has touched on the subject several times in the past. I can guarantee you That preacher was so disconcerted that he wanted to go home and pull out all his own teeth. What do you mean you've never heard that? I've been preaching this for years, but they didn't hear it. The basic assumptions they had about life were keeping them from hearing. Assumptions can deafen you, beloved, if you're not careful. Let me encourage you to examine your own heart and your own way of thinking. And make sure that there are not some assumptions about life 
and what the Bible says that are causing you not to hear what Jesus is really saying. That was a part of Peter's problem. He couldn't listen carefully to what Jesus said because he made wrong assumptions. Secondly, Peter's problem was that he trusted in his own strength and his own resolve and his own character. Jesus, no one's going to make me betray you. I'm stronger than that. I'm more determined. I have more strength of character. I'm I'm never going to betray you. He trusted in his own strength. And thirdly, and this was a general characteristic, characteristic of Peter, he often acted in impulse. He would have a feeling and he would just act on it. For instance, here the people are coming to arrest Jesus. He doesn't ask Jesus for his opinion. He doesn't ask Jesus, is it time for me to take out my dagger you told me to carry with me and attack this slave? He just by impulse cut off the guy's ear without even thinking about checking with Jesus. He was not disciplined. He let his impulses control him. And these three things working together led Peter to deny the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he really loved. Watch for them in your own life. Make sure you are listening carefully to Jesus Christ and his preached word and not making false assumptions that are keeping you from hearing what he is saying. You have absolutely no reason to trust in your own strength and your own resolve and your own character. Make sure you do not, beloved. It is Christ within you that strengthens you. And make sure you've got your impulses under control. Or these things will work together in your life. And you will deny Christ like Peter did. Now everyone had left Christ, but at least Peter was still following him. He was following far off, to be sure. He was where he should not be and was with the wrong crowd. So he, de- he wound up denying the Lord Jesus Christ three times. The first time, he tries to skirt around the issue. You can see him wrestling with himself. He doesn't come right out the first time and deny Christ. He just hurriedly says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to deal with this at this point in time. He tries to skirt the issue which was impossible, and this is a lesson that we must learn. Christ cannot be avoided. When someone is confronted with Christ and his word, he cannot remain neutral thereafter. He can't say, I'll put him on a shelf and come back to this to try and figure it all out a little later. It is impossible to skirt the issue. So Peter denied Christ a second time. He was intimidated by the 600 soldiers, wasn't intimidated by the 600 soldiers, but he was intimidated by a young woman. And the lesson we learn here is that disobedience and lack of closeness to Christ always tends to make us cowards. You know, it's easy to deny Christ when we're living in disobedience to him, following our own will and not staying close to him through studying his word and praying and worship and Christian fellowship. But when we do stay close, my friends, we have a boldness that no one can stand against. Then there was a third denial. This time Peter said, I do not know the fellow. And he began to curse. 
just to impress them with the fact that he absolutely has nothing to do with this man. Now imagine the same mouth that earlier gave that magnificent confession of faith, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, now has fallen to the point where he can say, I don't know this fellow called Jesus. Now, do you think if a year or so earlier you had the opportunity to speak with Peter and you suggested to him that there might be a time in the future, Peter, when you will deny Jesus, what do you think he would have said to you? You're crazy. I'm willing to die for him. I'll never deny the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my prophet. He's my priest. He's my king. And he's my friend. I love him more than life itself. I will never deny Jesus. You're crazy if you think there will ever be a time when out of my lips will come the words, I don't know this fellow. But he said these words. And then the rooster crowed. Let me tell you, beloved, that through the years people have come to me in counseling about various things. And they thought I was jumping on them way too heavy. And some of the most heartbreaking times is when they come to me after a few years of warning and not heeding the warning, heartbroken and humiliated, saying to me, Pastor Gary, I never thought I would go this far. I never thought I would do anything as horrible as this. I never thought I would deny Christ and spit in his face, but I did. Oh, once they too made a great confession of faith like Peter. Rather than living totally for Christ. Oh, sorry. And then because they took things for granted, lived their own lives rather than living totally for Christ. That time came and they did what they thought they could never do. And it scared them half to death. John Owens, the great Puritan from the 1600s said, you must be always a killing sin because it's always a killing you. He said, it is always because sin is so ambitious. It always tries to get away with the worst that it can get away with. So that if you let sin go in your life with free sway, every sinful thought will turn into a sinful action. Every lustful thought will turn into immorality. Every bitter thought will turn into a murderous action. Every greedy thought will, be, will turn into theft and robbery. Sin is ambitious. And if you leave it alone, it will destroy you. So I say to those of you who think you stand, take heed lest you fall. Don't dare say to yourself, oh, I, I've learned from Peter. Peter, I learn a lot, but I'm above him. I'll never spit in Jesus' face. I'm better than that. I'm, I'm really stronger in character and resolve than Peter was. I pray that none of you will ever be that audacious as to think you could never deny the Lord Jesus Christ, as if you could never spit in his face and beat him with your fist. I know a lot of people, beloved, who are as good as you and I, who have spit in his face after making an incredible confession of faith. You cannot trust yourself to avoid denying Christ. Your only hope is in Christ himself. Stay close to him, my friends. So the rooster crows, and they're taking Jesus away. His face beaten, bloody, and Peter remembers what Jesus told him. 
And all of a sudden, he looks up as they are taking him away, and Jesus looks right into Peter's eyes. I don't know how Peter stood it, do you? And Peter wept bitterly. But Jesus forgave Peter. And he used him mightily in his kingdom. Peter learned that Jesus is more willing to forgive us than we are even willing to seek forgiveness from him. That Jesus is a great savior for great sinners. And if there is forgiveness for Peter, then my dear friends, there is forgiveness for me and there is forgiveness for you. As I close, let me ask you one question. Think about this. Where did Mark get his information about Peter denying Christ? Peter was a young man and he wasn't there, remember? They all fled. Well, history and tradition tell us that Mark got the information from his gospel from the mouth of Peter. So Peter obviously would tell stories about his ministry with Christ and Mark would write them down. So, why didn't Peter leave this part out? Why didn't he skip over this fateful event? Well, let me tell you a story. There was a Scottish preacher by the name of Brownlow North who once got up to preach. Someone handed him a letter. And in that letter was a detailed description of a very wicked, weak moment in North's earlier life. And at the bottom it said, if you preach today, I will read the content of this letter to the public and everyone will know just how wicked you are. So Brownlow North takes the letter with its threats, goes off into the pulpit and reads the letter. And he says, the letter's true. That is what I was. But Jesus Christ has changed me and forgiven me of my sins. And he's made a new man out of me. I am no longer that man. You see, that's why Peter left that story in. That's why Peter did not tell Mark to leave out the story about the denial with all of its embarrassment. It's as if Peter is saying, it's all true. Everything that Mark wrote about me is true. But Jesus took me back and he used me. And if Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you by grace through faith. Then when Peter wrote his apostles, he identifies himself as the bondservant of Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches a powerful sermon and thousands of people are saved. He even dies a martyr's death. What made the difference in Peter from this coward, this denier, to this great man that we all here admire, love, and are grateful for? Well, the answer is in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5, where Paul says, For I have delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Do you know who Cephas was? It was Peter. One of the first people Jesus appeared to was Peter. 
And it made all the difference in Peter's life when the resurrected Christ revealed himself to him. His life was never the same again. And he moved from denial to a new creation in Christ. And he can do the same for you. You see, what Peter had to learn was, if he was going to be used of God, he had to be broken. He had to be humbled. There's got to be a cross, beloved, before there's a crown. It's the way of the cross that leads home. A disciple, remember, is not greater than his master. Peter learned that lesson. But most important thing that he learned was that there is a free forgiveness to be found in Christ. And then, beloved, comes the full transformation, transformation of life. And that is just as true today for all who believe in Jesus as it was then. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.